ABC News broke a story recently about uh, PNG's new embassy in Jerusalem, and this location is, as you'll recall, a controversial one. Most embassies in Israel are in Tel Aviv because uh, Jerusalem is not recognised by uh, much of the world. Australia under ScoMo announced a move to Jerusalem, but after an outcry, the current government reversed that. What's really extraordinary about the PNG embassy, though, is that Israel is effectively subsidising it, paying for its operation in the first couple of years. And what's even more extraordinary is the nature of the relationship between the two countries. PNG Prime Minister James Marepe lords Israel because PNG is a deeply Christian country. And that's just part of the paradox. Sean Jacobs is a PNG-born, Brisbane-based writer and commentator on Pacific affairs. Sean's written an article about PNG and Israel on the uh, Griffith Uni's Griffith Hub, Pacific Hub website. And Daniel Siederman is an Israeli attorney and... Uh, Analyst, and he specialises in the geopolitics of Jerusalem. Sean, to you first. I'm going to give you the uh, the unenviable task of trying to explain to us why the PNG Prime Minister and other prominent uh, Papua New Guineans would uh, see supporting Israel as furthering their commitment to Christianity. Mm, well, sure, Philip, and thank you very much for having me on. And indeed, this was sort of a bizarre story at the start of the month when the PNG and Israeli governments announced this. Um, it was sort of a bit odd in geostrategic terms. Papua New Guinea is a relatively small South Pacific, again, in geopolitical terms, nation. Um, it's about 15,000 kilometres or so from Israel. And it earned, uh, I guess, the joint rebuke from, in stiffest diplomatic terms from both the Palestinian Authority and Hamas for the decision. But I think if you unpack it, there's two drivers to this, Philip. You know, one, as you mentioned, it's clearly religiously based. And you can see that around the rhetoric that Prime Minister James Marape used around the PNG finds its Christian heritage in the country, um, in Israel, and then also recognising Jerusalem as the universal capital of the people and nation of Israel. But the other element is more functional. You know, Israel's made great strides in terms of agriculture, water, tech, health, enterprise and so on. And Marape, I think, sees that and he wants a part of it. Um, I think, you know, in terms of the religious side to this, when you unpack it a bit more, it kind of makes sense from a Papua New Guinea perspective. You did touch on it. Uh, PNG is a 96% sorry, Christian uh, nation. Uh, Marape himself is deeply religious, um, you know, and he's a committed SDA or Seventh-day Adventist, or at least he professes to be deeply religious. Um, churches also provide around 60 to 80% of social and welfare services in, in, in the country. And I think as well, if you look, um, you know, generations or successive generations of Papua New Guinean leaders, they've been exposed to, you know, lots of Christian messaging on why Christians should support Israel and religion. But is PNG also vying for other benefits? Yeah, sure. I think, you know, where this, you know, and I guess this sort of gets to the second sort of functional point as well about deepening the relationship um, in terms of, you know, trade is, is relatively small. For example, it's around $1 million 
dollars per annum. You know, it's relatively, um, you know, it's not earth shattering in global terms. Um, I think, you know, as well, it's 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 really around. I think um, the access to technology, uh, to agriculture, to some of those things I mentioned earlier, and what that could mean in the Indian context, and that being more beneficial around resourcing, Philip. Let's go to Daniel now. Uh, are you able to explain to me, Daniel, that Christian support of Israel? What do you make of it? It's important to distinguish between various denominations, and we've just done a systematic mapping of the Christian communities, the churches, the holy sites in Jerusalem, and they are numerous. Uh, ironically, we are currently in the deepest crisis between Israel and the historical churches since 1948. It's been taking place under the radar, but it has been occasionally reported openly. Um, about a year and a half ago, Israel took moves to create a national park, an Israeli national park, over the Christian holy sites on the Mount of Olives, uh, basically putting the most sacred sites in Christianity under the thumb of East Jerusalem um, uh, settlement organizations. Uh, similar things have been happening at the Armenian Gate, and this is being perceived, among other things, as a dilution of the Christian presence, their marginalization. And since this new government, there has been a serious uptick in hate crimes against uh, priests, um, uh, clergy, and church property. But I am not entirely surprised that this is not the case. Um, there is support of a biblical nature, of a fundamentalistically biblical nature, mostly by end of days evangelicals, basically President Trump's base, who see the end of times in real turn. And they envisage this Jerusalem playing a central role in the uh, the saga of the, re the return of the Messiah, of the rapture. So um, most of the churches, um, Latin, Greek, Orthodox, Ethiopian, would likely oppose the move that was made by Papua New Guinea. However, the evangelical groups are Israel right or wrong and see uh, recognizing Jerusalem as being exclusively Jewish, exclusively Israeli, is part of their end of, day, end of days pageant. Daniel, what other countries have embassies in Jerusalem? Well, most there, there are five others. I hope I remember them. Uh, most prominently, the United States, Honduras, Kosovo. Uh, and I'm forgetting two others, uh, not, not of huge consequence. Well, Guatemala is on the list and Sierra Leone. Okay. Yeah. So, and I understand Paraguay is in the wings. No, Paraguay came and went. <laughs> Uh, Paraguay, uh, about a year ago, or after the U.S. moved their embassy uh, to Jerusalem, they did as well. And they moved it to the same uh, block of offices where the um, PNG embassy is to be. Uh, curious as I am, I went 
to visit the place. It was a plaque on the door of a small office. It was locked in the middle of a business day. There were no uh, working hours. And shortly thereafter, they decided to return to Tel Aviv. Um, the, the place for embassies, just pragmatically, is Tel Aviv. Uh, the United States formally has an embassy next door to my home in West Jerusalem. But the real center of gravity of the hundreds of staff at the embassy, political, military, economic, they're all in Tel Aviv. The unit in Jerusalem, uh, which is not directly under the embassy, uh, does outreach to the Palestinians. Daniel, why does it matter so much to Israel to have embassies in Jerusalem? It matters so much to the Netanyahu government. I'm not sure that it matters to Israel. The two are not one and the same, and they're becoming less so as every day goes by. Jerusalem is the epicenter of the conflict between Israelis and Palestinians. It is a scarred um, and uh, wondrous city. Uh, there are two peoples here. 40% are, are Palestinian, 60% are Israeli. The Israelis have political rights, the Palestinians don't have political rights. Um, it is fraught with eruption of violence periodically, some of it nationally motivated, some of it about the holy sites. The ideological position of Israel since 1967 is Jerusalem is ours, exclusively ours. We, Israel, have sovereignty over Jerusalem East and West. The rest of the world says, oh no, uh, the status of Jerusalem will be determined in negotiations. Now, what happened here is that President Trump basically moved the embassy Israel anticipated a flood of other countries to take to follow the lead. And that did not happen. The only thing that did happen was that the United States under Trump marginalized itself. Jerusalem, after the move of the embassy, is still a divided city. It's still the epicenter. It's still problematic, and it still needs to be addressed in permanent status agreements. But Trump wanted to take Israel off the table and nobody came to the party. So uh, you, there were the you know, four embassies that you mentioned, none of them superpowers. Israel is desperate to show that normalization and the Trump um, stewardship is consequential to Israel. Other countries have looked at it and decided to go back we will not be serving the interests of Israelis or Palestinians if we move our embassy. We will be in disincentivizing Israel from engaging. So if you can't cajole uh, countries, why not pay for them? Okay. Now, the embassy, uh, Sean, will uh, consist of only 200 square metres of Jerusalem's uh, high-rise space. Mm, that's right, um, Philip. It's, it's sort of a, a pretty much a token, a token effort. And yeah, look, I understand it's also, um, you know, in, in a shopping centre as well. Um, it, I guess, you know, not not um, huge amounts of gross floor area there. Um, again, I think this sort of speaks a little bit to just the scale of the relationship at this stage of, and what that looks like. 
again, bilateral trade is is tiny or is minuscule. But I do think that both Marape and and, and Benjamin Netanyahu um, do have aspirations for the relationship that will grow over time. But yeah, it's not not significant um, in terms of what the what the actual footprint will be. I'm told that. Uh the PNG officials found the opening of the new embassy to be, and I quote, deeply moving, Sean. Mm, that's right. I mean, I think if you look at the visuals of it, it probably wasn't too striking um, in terms of the unveiling, etc. But I think, again, this goes back to the religious motivations um, for um, Prime Minister Marape and also some individuals um, back home in Papua New Guinea, who had been really working on this, I think, for, you know, a number of years, successive generations, as I mentioned before, of leaders have been lobbied or heard um, from, um, you know, strong messages on why Christians should support um, Israel in particular and this move from PNG. So that probably tapped that sentiment. Daniel, uh, the UN vote is a whole other issue that we don't have uh, time to get into, but uh, PNG is one of the countries that Israel has been able to rely on for support with the contentious votes. I will be a highly unrepresentative Israeli, but I think that those who give Israel a free pass and don't hold us accountable are doing damage, even though their motivations may be sacred. Uh, automatic support for Israel uh, simply um, allows us to get away with anything. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. And Israel's failure to be challenged on issues relating to occupation and the existential imperative of ending it are not doing us a good service. They're kind of like a wealthy uncle who uh, spends money uh, paying for um, his uh, nephew's drug habit instead of sending him <laughs> off to rehab where he belongs. Israel needs to be challenged and friends of Israel will have to find the appropriate opportunities to do so and not to rubber stamp support of Israel. Sean, I understand there may be a domino effect that is that Fiji might be next cab off the rank. Yeah, that's right, Philip. So that was announced, I think, at the start of the year for potentially June. So obviously there's been some delay in that decision um, with having an embassy representation uh, in Jerusalem as well. Um, but, you know, look, to think, you know, to loop this back to what you mentioned before around UN votes, so, you know, and I do understand that back in December, PNG was one of 25 countries that joined Israel in you know, opposing a General Assembly resolution about the International Court of Justice weighing in on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, which was quite irregular for PNG and its voting patterns in traditionally. Uh, Fiji notably abstained from that decision, um, whereas I think previously it had been probably actively or postured opposed um, to Israeli's position. So, yes, domino effect perhaps, but um, certainly in the wing, you see. How extraordinary. Gentlemen, I thank you. I've been talking to Sean Jacobs. Sean is a PNG-born Brisbane-based writer and commentator on Pacific Affairs. And as I told you earlier, he's written an article about PNG in Israel on the Griffith Uni's Griffith Pacific Hub website. And we've also been talking to Daniel Sederman. 
an Israeli attorney and analyst specialising in the geopolitics of Jerusalem. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Daniel. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.